ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. I'm your host, Rob Kramer. Alongside, as always, my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And uh, Dan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing, I'm doing fine, except for those last two losses yesterday. What is with the luck? The injuries happen in bunches. I mean, I hope, hopefully, hopefully, just nothing but just a big, just a hiccup for Taiwan Walker. But Carrasco, oh, guys, this happened. This has this has had to happen, had to happen, <laughs> and I can tell you, I got I got a friend of mine, that the, one of my friends in the South, who always gets bummed out when the when the Mets play against the Atlanta because they because they black out on the MLB app and the person doesn't have cable, so it's like that's that's what he used to watch. So that's how that's how my that's how a friend of my a friend in the South watches uh, watches the Met games over there via the MLB app. Yeah. And he, Eats it when the Mets play gets the Braves because it's always blacked out and has to roll on a radio feed. Yeah, I told her, hey, you didn't you didn't miss much because unfortunately it was it was like a disaster. Maybe head maybe head pulling. Yeah, a uh, terrible terrible first two games for the Mets, and we'll go over a slew of injuries that they that they're up against right now, um, which is the reason why they've had to reach in the minors and bring up a couple of guys the last couple of days to pitch. And uh, not only that, obviously, like you mentioned, bring up one of their top prospects, Brett Beatty, who's in the starting lineup tonight. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, also, speaking of injuries, too, uh, you know, the team's jersey that I'm wearing right now, the New York Jets, definitely dealing with um, some injury problems right now, as obviously uh, former first-round pick Makai uh, Becton, uh, left tackle, was going to play right tackle this year. Uh, is you know down for the year with a knee injury, uh, just that he fractured his knee shockingly in a non contact injury, um, during practice, so he's out for the year. And uh, Zach Wilson, starting quarterback, also another non contact injury. I was watching it live in the preseason game, the opener against the Eagles last week, uh, that the Jets actually won, but uh, Zach Wilson goes down with the injury, so. More uh, injury problems there, um, you know, but also we're going to be talking some uh, some New York Giants today, too, and, uh, you know, a little bit later on. And uh, what do you got your eye on the Giants about, Dan? Um, I just uh, – the team the team looks looks good so far. It was only one game. I feel it was, like, really hard to tell by much by what – because Daniel Jones didn't really play that much during the game. Yeah, the preseason is a very mixed bag. It's 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 tough to tell during the games. You, I, you know, I feel like a lot of the times you get more out of the practices and stuff like that, and see how guys look, especially these joint practices coming up. That uh, you know, a lot that there was apparently a big scuffle today. Uh, I don't know if you saw anything about that, Dan, but uh, I think it was like the Panthers and the Patriots or somebody, and and, and uh, somebody got injured. Uh, one of the fans, a spectator, actually got injured. Uh, during a a tussle with the the players, so uh, <laughs> potentially dangerous situation there. 
it's gotta it's gotta be a, it's gotta it's gotta be scary for just a fan that's getting ex- excited, being being that close, getting to see their favorite team up close. I mean, I've I've seen these preseason practices before. I saw I think I saw once someone took me to took me to Albany to see it back when the Giants were doing their practicing in Albany. I got to see them. And then I think I remember. Then I think I remember once in a in in a in a when I was a kid, the day camp I went to, they they used to do trip. They they did it once a trip to see the the Jets practice back in the days of Hofstra. Yeah, that was, that's where I saw practice too. I remember going one year for the the when the Jets got Brett Favre that first summer, two thousand eight. <laughs> but Giants fan, I just thought it was neat seeing like that up close, seeing like. You're seeing NFL got players up close. That was that was like seeing that. Uh, surprisingly, Boomer Sison handed us autographs. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> it's former NFL MVP too, right there from Long Island. Yeah, and I just had to show that to Anthony because I remember I have this. And I, <laughs> as as a matter of fact, I was laughing. A few years ago, I, it was at MacArthur Airport, and you walk past, there's this wall of fame, like this Suffolk County Sports Hall of Fame, this wall of fame that's there in the airport. I'm walking past, and I'm just laughing. I thought of that bit the moment there was a picture of Boomer Sites in there. <laughs> that wall of fame in the in MacArthur Airport. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that is – I mean – for MacArthur Airport, that's still pretty cool that uh, you'd, you'd have a place in that Hall of Fame, you know, for a good old Boomer or Sison. <laughs> I think I think they call it the Suffolk County Sports Wall of Fame. I've 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 only left out of that airport like once or twice, but I just remember walking past it because I had to walk all the way through this long concourse to get to get to where the gate get to where the gate was for my flight. <laughs> <laughs> In that airport before. Uh, oh yeah, I've been to that airport. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a small one, but it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's a small airport. I've never I've never gone out of TSA that quick. <laughs> that's true. At any, at any point over the last twenty years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but you know what? Let's uh let's pick up where we started. Um. You know, we started talking about uh, the the Mets right at the top of the show, and um, you know, so far, you know what? Let's backtrack just a little bit too, because they had the good weekend against the Phillies at City Field, where they dropped that first game two one. A very tough game to uh, swallow with that game, where they had to play at the plate that gave the Phillies the run uh, that just barely missed being thrown out. And then obviously you had Starling Marte being thrown out of the plate to end the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, which uh, which really stunk. So the Mets ended up losing that game. Yep, that game kind of kind of made me uh, maybe log out of Apple TV angrily. Though yeah. I have, as I get as as annoyed as I get with these Apple TV broadcasts, this one I really didn't see any lag like I've seen the last couple of times. The Met game was the Met. It was in that the last time, last couple of times we saw an Apple TV broadcast. I agree. Not- I agree. It was a little bit better this time than it had been previously this year. Maybe they finally, you know, figured it out. Yeah, the Kingston. I noticed. 
I noticed also the Peacock broadcast didn't really have any lag. Yeah, the Peacock one um, that I saw earlier this year that the Mets were on, I was surprised at how much better it was, like you said, with you know having to deal with the lag and everything than, uh, than Apple. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much live now. It's, it's awesome. I think Peacock, in my opinion, is the, the one streaming one that has had the best transition so far. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I that's what I have to say so far. They 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 seem to do a good job. And I remember, and I even remember as far after after that game, uh, there was I I even was even using the Peacock streaming service a little bit more because after the game there was like a little bit after there was a NASCAR race starting and I was in the backyard, there was no lag. So I've seen I've seen the same Peacock seems to got got on point not having the, the the lag when it comes to live sports feeds. I'll I've never I don't really ha- I don't have a subscription to Amazon currently, but I've heard from Yankee fans watching the Amazon broadcast that there's a lot of lag. And I have a feeling I'm going to have to exp- deal with this every time the Giants are playing on Thursday. I don't know. That's true too cuz uh I actually saw Eastside Dave um, tweet earlier, maybe it was this week or last week, uh, what, what, while the Yankees were on Amazon mentioning, and he tweeted, I believe it was a little video of how poor the, the quality of the broadcast was. Because, you know, honestly, I'm not a Yankee fan, so I haven't checked out any of their broadcasts on Amazon, even though I do have a, an, an Amazon account that I, can, that I can access it. I just still haven't watched them. I'm not a Yankee fan. But, um, you know, for Yankee fans that have had to watch that service, which you'd think because it's also a yes broadcast that it would be high quality because usually yes is top of the line. Uh, it's, it's surprising. And I guess maybe that's probably more on the Amazon end, right? Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I hope this isn't what I experienced during football season. Every time the giants are playing a Thursday game, not not counting the not counting the Thanksgiving game, which I believe is going to be a Fox or CBS broadcast. Mm-hmm. Have, not not ha- haven't quite seen anything revealed information on that yet, but I know it's going to be airing on Fox or CBS, one of those two networks. I'll be seeing. Yes. I'll be. Fox usually has the Cowboys game. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be. So I'm going to be. So it'll be Fox, and I'll be eating my. Uh, I'll be eating my th- Thanksgiving dinner in front of the t- in front of the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So let me ask you, Dan. So now, what's the deal with the Thursday game this this year? Because I forget is it, it going to be exclusively every Thursday? The Thursday night football game is only going to be available on Amazon. Yep, that's what I. That's apparently what I heard. Also, I have to say something else about the Amazon broadcasting sports. That speaking speaking of the Amazon broadcasting Yankee games. Feeling that I noticed next week during the Subway Series, I think it's the, I think it's the two. I forget if it's a Tuesday or the Monday game, but I know for sure the Yankees feed's going to be an, an Amazon game. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Yankee fans that don't have Amazon that are just going to opt to watch the S and Y feed of of the game, just because yeah. they can watch have Amazon. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I definitely think you're right about that. And, um, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's going to be the, the weird thing with these streaming networks because, you know, over the next few years, we're going to see more and more, you know, regular season and probably even eventually 
playoff games, you know, available exclusively on these streaming services. You know, how crazy would it be if one year, let's just say Amazon, for uh, argument's sake, gets the exclusive rights to the Super Bowl? Now, I know that won't be until years down the line, because I think right now CBS or Fox, whatever the deal is right now, I think that's through the early 2030s. But let's just say 15 years from now, Amazon secures the Super Bowl one year, and the only way you can watch the Super Bowl is on a streaming service. Now, wouldn't that be pretty crazy? That would be absurd just for a lot of people, right? It would deprive people of watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it would be hard to do a Super Bowl party because you'd have to have that person willing to pay for Amazon. And plus, I think bar, it would, it would be a nightmare for bars. I don't even know how many bars have subscription to these streaming services. I might, I've never, I've, I keep forgetting to ask the, cause I've never, I keep forgetting to ask the co-owner of Donovan's there about that, but I got I should, I, I should ask him how they're, how they're handling that. And maybe is he, is, has he been aware of this, that there's some games that have been showing up on streaming services. If they've prepared for that, have bought any stream subscriptions, any streaming services to put these games especially during football season when bars heavily market themselves as showing every football game. I know, I know, I know Donovan's and Woodside is probably a great bar. If you want to watch like an out of market football game, in addition to the local teams, of course you could always watch. There's always TV soon to the local games, but they've also been great for watching out of market football games. I've seen for some people, I even but before, prior to when we, to tweet until one day later when Matt was looking, Matt Ice was looking for a bar to to watch the he wanted to watch the Broncos game. I wish I would have saw that tweet a day earlier because I probably I probably would have recommended Donovan's to Matt. <laughs> I think that would have been that would have been interesting seeing. Uh, he, he, uh, maybe he probably would have had me as a guest bartender. I <laughs> Would have shown up to, to Donovan to watch a game. Yeah, I, I leave volunteer being a guest bartender just for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, you know, uh, just like we've been saying, I think a lot of uh, you know we're going to see more and more of this. That uh, these streaming networks are going to get more and more rights to these games, and uh, the bigger the bigger, it's going to just keep getting bigger and bigger over uh, the next few years, and uh, it's a. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy to, to think about the ramifications, just like you'd mentioned, because a lot of these bars economies are based around that. You know, the Super Bowl could be one of the biggest days of the year for a lot of these bars. So very interesting. But, you know, we, we got started on this talking because the Mets were on Apple TV for that disappointing loss last Friday. But they came back the next two days and did pretty damn good, right, Dan? Yep, they did. The next two days, they... Uh... They took care of business. I was at Saturday's game, and I looked out getting to see the Grom again, and added, of course, the sec the second bobblehead to the three bobblehead connecting set. I don't know if you've seen pictures of this, the Gary Keith and Ron bobblehead. Mm -hmm. So, so when I'm two I'm two thirds of that. <laughs> yeah, very cool, man. And uh, yeah, you know, so it just I totally agree with you though. How great is it just seeing the Grom pitch again? And, you know, get the ball every fifth day, you know, especially with the injuries that we're talking about now, it definitely makes you feel a little bit better. But 
it's just awesome watching him going out there and pitching every fifth day again, right? Yep, exactly. And I think there'll be a lot of updating. You remember I showed you that Jacob the Ground bobblehead I had? How I said I was going to be updating the, the, the counter. Yeah. He posts pictures of the of the strikeout counter on it, how I updated it. Yes. I'd be updating it a lot this year. You probably are, man. Hopefully Steve Cohen does the right thing and brings back the Grom so I could continue to update it because I don't think I want to update it if he's, if he's left. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a uh, – I mean, I don't even want to think about a world <laughs> where Steve Cohen allows Jacob DeGrom to leave, but I don't think we have to worry about that. I don't think he's making the biggest mistake since that time in the 70s when Tom Seaver was traded. Yeah. No, no, no way can I see Steve Cohen, someone who's pro- – who, who somehow grew up a Mets and probably waited for this opportunity for the Mets to be on sale to buy an MLB team. Yeah, and he struck at the perfect time because the uh, Mets desperately needed someone to bail them out. And, boy, it's like living in a different world right now where, I mean, you look at this team and even, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Mike Puma put out an article um, for, for what it would take because – on, on the show just a couple of weeks ago, me and you were talking about all the impen- – like right before the trade deadline, we were talking about how so many players on this team are impending free agents. I mean, just to – you know, obviously DeGrom is going to opt out. Um, you know, you, you've got Edwin Diaz who's going to be a, a, a big guy they have to make a decision on. Um, th- there's a, a lot of big names, Brandon Nimmo is coming up and, and he's a free agent. Chris Bassett is going to be a free agent. There's a lot of players that are key on this team that are coming up. And Mike Puma put out a, an article that was talking about how this, if the Mets bring everybody back, it's probably going to end up being in the $350 million range of next year's payroll. So, you know, we, we, we were just talking about how you really have to go for it. And, um, you know, obviously, I think that the, with the moves the Mets made, they, they really have gone for it, right? Yeah, I really feel they've gone for it. And I have a feeling Steve Cohen looks like he's probably going to be spending more in free agents than wanting to trade away prospects I'm getting from what it looks like. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? Talking about prospects, after the last two games, so the Mets roughed up, you know, Zach Wheeler on Saturday to take two out of three from the Phillies uh, on, on Sunday. I'm sorry. They roughed up Zach Wheeler on Sunday to end that series, take two out of three and head down South to Georgia to take on the Braves. Well, these first two games, like we mentioned, didn't go too well. The Mets got outscored 18 to one over these two games, got four combined innings from their starting pitchers as Carlos Carrasco allowed three runs, got all messed up in a rain delay and everything and came back and tweaked his oblique. So he's going to be out for a month now. Uh, and before that game even happened, they lost Tomas Nito, who has an illness and is on the illness IL for the next whatever week or two. So, you know, he probably has COVID, but they, they can't officially announce that. And I'm just speculating, too. Yeah, I'm just speculating that that one's not more of a panicky one because he'll probably be back in a couple of weeks or so. That's yeah, that's just something that he's just got to get over. Yeah, I know. I know from personal experience, you. If you catch that stuff early, usually you're good because that's what happened to me. And I can tell you, I don't know if you've experienced it, but the first day or two feels the worst. 
yeah, I had COVID over Christmas and it was not fun. Uh, the first couple of days was the worst with the split and headache and everything. It was just terrible. Yeah, or you had the same thing around on Christmas of all times. Yeah, it, it happened to me around Christmas and it felt horrible. Yeah. Had to watch a Christmas story with my mom and sister over Zoom, by the way. <laughs> and yeah. and watch them open up Christmas gifts and show and show me on camera what I got. So it was like yeah. it, it was it was not, 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 not a fun time being alone in my room during Christmas. It was the same thing with me. I was uh, doing a lot of Zoom present openings <laughs> around that time uh, with uh, with my family, with my girlfriend, with everything. It was uh, not very fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, yeah. So let's just uh, wish Tomas Nito a speedy recovery. Exactly. Hopefully a speedy recovery. Yeah. And then a, but, yeah, I feel like also yesterday's game was it's like they – that's like the worst time to give up that many, that many uh, runs, especially when you're facing a top pitcher like that. Yeah, well, you know, they just yesterday just wasn't their game. I mean, so the first game, like we mentioned, obviously they got blasted thirteen to one. Carlos Carrasco left with an injury after two innings. Okay, you can kind of just shake your head at it and move on. Then yesterday they brought up Robert Alvarez, who hadn't appeared in a big league game since. 2015 and um you know steven nugasek who's a decent pitcher but he's like a as they used to call a quadruple a pitcher because he's being bouncing back and forth between triple a and the big leagues this year um and you know when you when you look at their pitching staff yesterday they were just not set up for success they were very shorthanded uh after that game yesterday which in which you know the first game on monday darren ruff had to pitch two innings, which is just ridiculously embarrassing. Um, then, I mean, the fact that he had to throw one inning is crazy. The fact that they had to use Darren Ruff for two innings is just nuts to me. And, um, you know, when when you look at the, the, the game yesterday, I mean, look, Taiwan Walker is back, locks up on him, and he's out after two innings where he looked pretty good. Uh, you know, covering first base, I guess, is where his, his uh, back locked up on him, and once again, the Mets were left shorthanded, and uh, the combination of, um, you know, Robert Alvarez and Steven Nogasek had to take them most of the way after that, and uh, it just wasn't good enough as they ended up losing that game 5 nothing, uh, just in really ugly fashion. And, and Charlie Morton looked great, struck out 12. Uh, the Mets couldn't get anywhere near him after they roughed him up twice earlier this year. So um, just a tough, tough way to start the series, right? I got to say, saying I heard about an article that Charlie Morton complained he couldn't get chamomile tea in New York. Excuse me, Mr. Morton, but last time I checked, I'm pretty sure you could get that in New York if you wanted. Wait, wait, what did he say that he couldn't get in New York? Get chamomile tea. <laughs> what is he talking about? In New York City? I'm sure there's plenty of places to get that. Yeah, exactly. And if he couldn't get it at the provided them somewhere in the stadium or in the clubhouse. I'm sure you could have gotten someone at the team to get it for him. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. At this. I just made you laugh. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that is a little ridiculous from Mr. Morton. Um, but, you know, when uh, – so 
looking forward now, obviously me and you are recording this prior to Max Scherzer's start on, uh, on Wednesday night. We're recording this just about an hour or so before uh, things are about to get underway in um, uh, down in Atlanta at Truist Field. And, uh, you know, when you look at the Mets and the Braves right now, only separated by three and a half games. So it's starting to get, you know, it's starting to get close. The Mets do, though, have a four-game lead in the loss column. But, uh, you know, with the injury, because we mentioned all the other injuries, but it looks to me like Eduardo Escobar is headed for the IL as well. Um, you know, he can only swing one way, so the, uh, and he just hasn't been very productive since this injury. So it looks like he's going to be put on the IL for a little while. Uh, probably should have been a couple of days ago, to be honest. But they bring up Brett Beatty, one of their top prospects, who just got promoted to AAA about two weeks ago, and in that two weeks was hitting 360. So I guess they figured uh, he's a really hot bat. Bring him up, see what he's got. Uh, they also said that his pitch recognition is one of the best in the Mets farm system. So that'll be interesting to, to see him. I guess he's like a they what they're equating him to is like a Brandon Nimmo type, where he's uh, he's just he works the count. He's a good at bat. Um, what do you think, Dan? Uh, if if you were in the GM chair, would would you have brought Brett Batty up, or would you have gone another route? I think I think the the Billy Epler did the right thing. I mean, at some point, these guys are just they're they're playing so they're playing that well, like AAA and stuff, and they're uh, they they've earned it. And there's a situation that we there's an opening and, and we need at this point, you have to roll the dice and take the chance. And if this player is prospect, we're expecting it'll hopefully it'll, it'll work out well. And, and they made the right decision. The good teams make moves like this when they need to. I totally agree with you, man. Totally agree. Because you know what? The Braves have been doing this for years. I mean, think about it. Even on this team right now, uh, well, first off, they, they brought Acuna and Ozzy Albies up extremely young, gave him long de- deals. Even Freddie Freeman came up as a very young man. Um, but look at this team right now, the team we're speaking about right now. Um, you have Austin Riley who came up young, but outside of that, you have uh, – Vaughn Grissom, who just came up from double A and has been playing very well in that, and Michael Harris II, who they're working on an eight-year contract extension with, they like him so much, and has already, you know, this guy, Michael Harris, has already made a bunch of really good plays against the Mets this year. So, look, you you see them doing uh, this down south. It works all the time for them. You know, I I know it's got to be in the perfect situation, to be honest, too. But this just seemed like it was calling for for Beatty to come up. Yep, exactly. I feel I could I could understand Alvarez. Maybe that takes a little longer. Being the cat. Yep. yep. And he's younger too. And he's so it's a lot of handling because it's like you're almost the entire game is almost in your hands if you're in a catcher because you're handling the pitching staff. Yeah. So you're. Handling a lot there, but somebody they the good the good teams and the good GMs know that 
they want to make these moves and they're not and they're not afraid to to shy away from it to to not shy away from it exactly and and you know what when when you look at the Mets lineup coming into the game tonight now uh now I know by the time that people are seeing this this game will be a day old but you know it's still very interesting to see when you look at Brandon Nimmo Starling Marte Francisco Lindor Pete Alonso Daniel Vogelback Jeff McNeil, Mark Kana, uh, Brett Beatty, and James McCann. That's a solid as hell lineup, man, right? Solid lineup, and also, it's a. I think it's about time that they called they called them up because uh, we we saw all the trading deadline. The G, the GMs and ownership they were obsessed with not trading away these prospects. Let's show that. Let's show if, Let's finally get to see if these guys are worth it already. Yeah, I mean, and Brett Beatty was a uh, Brody Van Wagenen draft pick, um, I believe, from 2019. And, uh, you know, the, the Mets did a lot to convince him to not go to college and to, to sign on with the Mets and play professional baseball from a very young age. And um, I, I, I think that those draft picks, you know, you can say some hits and some misses, but I, I think this – Beatty kid is really going to pay off. I believe so too. Uh, I actually got to, and I've had the luck of seeing him when he was in the minor leagues and the Brooklyn Cyclones. I saw him a little bit when he got, when he, after a little bit after the draft, he was playing in the, some of the playoff games when back when it was the, the Cyclones were a low A ball team, short season, a ball as, as we know, short season, a ball doesn't exist anymore, but then, and then we saw him a little bit the, the next year when the Cyclones became a full season high A ball team. They were the they were now the full season high A ball affiliate in what's the the, the South Atlantic League. And uh, he was he was hit, he was hitting a ton there in in Brooklyn to the point that they uh they had promoted him to Double A somewhere. I think like after the Futures game. He got promoted to Double A after the Futures. Yeah, I think you're right, and and you know what? He hit a ton in the big in the in in the minor leagues this year too, because in Double A, and uh, well between Double A and Triple A this year, he hit 315 with 19 home runs and 60 RBIs. So that's he's he's having a hell of a year, and it's going to be really fun to watch him make his debut tonight. Yep, that is that is hope. Hopefully he'll get hope, and hopefully he'll get a nice little World Series ring to go to go along with that little ring he's gotten in his minor league days, because he was a part of that 2019 NYPL championship team with the Cyclones. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point too. That's a, that's a good point, man. Yeah. So add add another one to the uh, you know <laughs> trophy case. But a lot of big league World Series ring to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, in 2015, when the Mets went on their run, and you know, obviously they didn't seal the deal and win the World Series, they brought up one of their top left-handed prospects to you know give the lineup a kick in the ass, and uh, that was Michael Conforto. In 2015, the Mets end up going on the World Series run. You know, maybe there's some parallels here with uh, Brett Beatty. What do you say, Dan? Exactly. Coincidence. I, I actually did take a picture with Conforto that day. I threw a ceremonial first pitch at the Cyclones game. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember when you did that. Yeah, and then like one year later, I think you were there, if I remember correctly. 
what when when you threw the first pitch? Yeah, I think you were there. I was. You're right. Actually, you're right. I think I think you texted me like the day after that you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're right. You're right. I forgot <laughs> about that. And yeah, I was there. And uh, yeah, but but we didn't even get to talk. Actually, you're right. <laughs> oh my god! Very funny. Very funny, man. Um, alone the baseball from that first pitch they they let you keep the ball when you throw a first pitch at a game <laughs> that's cool made for this Wait, what, I, what's that I, say that one more time i've got a display thing made for that ball yeah because i i just thought that was neat getting a chance to do that i'd always wanted to know what that was like and it is that, very cool to, i mean how many people can say that they threw out a first pitch at a, at a game. Not many. Yeah, yeah, many. And I just thought that was neat. And I thought it was neat that I was able to get my mother and sister to be there. I also have to thank a friend of family for 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 going with me to take to take the who was who took who took pictures and got that video that you see on YouTube. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. Nice enough to film that little video. Yeah, I remember so, them talking about that on Jim and Sam too, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I gave I gave credit to 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 a family friend who filmed who who went on the field with me when I threw the first pitch to film that. Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. So, and if you haven't checked that out, do you, do you have that up on your YouTube? It's on my YouTube. It's on my YouTube along with some other stuff. Even one of my favorite one of my favorite little videos I filmed that when remember I was sending stuff to the Eastside Dave show when the whole show was done remotely. Yes, yes. That video with the making the who took my beer? <laughs> yeah, it was it was used as the ending for the Eastside Dave show? Uh huh. I just had a lot of fun with that video. I remember letting. I think it took like a couple of weeks. I had bought like I forgot how how, how big the pack of cello was, but I intentionally let it uh let it let the empties accumulate just like normal, and I saved all the empties. <laughs> Just for that video, and I just let it accumulate. And I saw there was a certain amount of empties uh, left. I said, "Yep, I've reached the right amount of empties to film this video," and huh. it it worked out well. Yeah, it definitely did. That was hilarious. Yep, that, that's hilarious. Maybe maybe we can maybe we 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 should, we should uh, at the end of the show uh, share that video. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a good idea. We'll have to. Uh... I'll have to get um, the uh, the links to those, and I'll I'll definitely add it in at the end. No doubt about it. That's a good idea. Definitely add the link to that one. Though. Who who there? <laughs> I feel that 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 was a that was, he says that that the way they were ending the episodes of Asia with that video. He's saying it's it was almost iconic as the way they would. That uh, that production logo that would show up at the end of uh, reruns of Family Ties would. <laughs> He's definitely right about that. Oh my god! All right, and also you know, staying on uh, this with the Mets real quick. Uh, you know, we got two big games left here in this series after dropping the first two. Uh, we got Scherzer going today, trying to stop this uh, th- this little lo- losing skid, the two game. Uh, losing streak they're on right now, if you want to say. Um, and then they got DeGrom going in uh, in the finale of the series. Obviously, for Scherzer tonight, he's going up against Jake Adorazi. And we're not really sure who DeGrom is going up against. It could be 
Max Freed, who suffered a concussion uh, in his last start against the Mets over a week ago. But um, it could be somebody else if he doesn't come out of um, uh, concussion protocol uh, with, uh, you know, no red flag. So how are you feeling about these final two matchups, Dan? These games really have to win. I've I've offered Jabu some of the best rum I could find for this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to need some of that good mojo going from Jabu, no doubt about it as we've often spoke about here on the show. Um, but, you know, so I, I was uh, checking just a few minutes ago, too. And, yes, Eduardo Escobar, as we expected, was officially announced on the, uh, the IL while we were doing the show. Um, they, they, they also brought up uh, lefty Sam Clay. And um, they got an M- the MRI news back on Taiwan Walker as well, which uh, apparently Buck Showalter said was good news. But uh, his start for Sunday – you know, which would be in Philly against the uh, Philadelphia, you know, against the Phillies um, that could be in jeopardy. They said, so there's a chance that maybe they bump him back into either at some point in that Yankee series or the series after that, or there's a chance that he, uh, he still could make that start on Sunday, but it, apparently it's unlikely. Uh, so how are you feeling with that news, Dan? What are you uh, digesting well- that as? I believe if it's only one start at the worst, he misses. If he only misses one turnaround of rotation, which is not, not, not the worst thing that could happen. And hopefully, hopefully it's just that because fingers crossed. So always, always goes, goes horrible. And I hope this doesn't go horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You just got to hope that Taiwan Walker comes out of it. I mean, the thing that made me feel better about it than, than Carrasco, because Obviously, Carrasco had pretty much, it seems like a lower grade version of what Scherzer had. So, um, which also, you know, it might end up not being the worst thing in the world because they were probably going to have to slow down Carrasco anyway at some point because he's been racking up the innings this year as he's knocking on around 130 innings this year uh, so far. And they were probably going to try to keep him at some point in between the, the 150 to 170 range. So he was going to blow past that in a couple of starts. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. They shut him down, let his body heal for a little bit, and then get ready when they need him in late September and October, right? Exactly. But hopefully they I, – I don't really like these shutdown start, starters things, especially in October when we need them, all right? <laughs> I hear a lot from a lot of people in D.C. I've heard from some people in D.C. that were upset in 2012 when they didn't have Strasburg in the playoffs. Which was ridiculous. That was ridiculous, by the way. I mean, you know, Mike Rizzo ends up getting off the hook for that awful decision. Why you'd shut Scherzer down, uh, Scherzer, why you'd shut Strasburg down, who was a kid at that time, for the playoffs, for his first potential playoff, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And it obviously hasn't curtailed his innings uh, and, or, uh, or injuries at all because the kid, unfortunately for him, has been injured all the time. But for everything for Mike Rizzo paid off because of that World Series and Strasburg's performance in it in 2019, which uh, annoys me even more because I never liked Mike Rizzo. I ha- always hated that Strasburg decision. And unfortunately, 
that 2019 world championship validated everything he did. Yeah, exactly. And part of me just cringes seeing the fact that DC won a championship because part of me just felt like we would have we would have had some kind of magical run that time. Yeah, that that 2019 season hurts, man, because the Mets missed the playoffs. The you know the Nationals won 89 games and the Mets won 86. We missed the playoffs that year by three games, and you just can't help but think, especially with the rotation the Mets had that year, that if they had just gotten in the playoffs, who knows what could have happened. Yeah, that was that 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 one really really bummed bummed me out, and then of course I got I. Of course, I remember the next year, I think, felt even more bummed out. Not just because of how the 2020 season ended, but because couldn't couldn't really leave the house, couldn't go to the game. <laughs> yeah, 2020 and 2021 for the Mets were two pretty ugly seasons. Unfortunately for Luis Rojas, who's a good guy, but his, uh, his tenure wasn't exactly too great here as Mets manager. But, uh, you know, here in 2022, we got Buck Showalter. And uh, you know what's also funny about 2022 is that so far, Noah Syndergaard has had the opportunity to pitch against the Mets three times this year. And each time, he's, he's allowed his team to push him back a day. And that is happening for the third time here as Noah Syndergaard was supposed to pitch. The, the, the matchup for Sunday's game in Philadelphia, Mets Phillies, was supposed to be uh, Noah Syndergaard for Philly against Taiwan Walker for the Mets. And it looks like neither of those guys are probably going to start this game because Taiwan Walker's in question and the Phillies have already announced that Syndergaard is not pitching against the Mets. So he'll be pitching the next day against the Reds. So yeah, great. He could go out there and throw six or seven innings against a garbage Reds team. I, I really am so shocked at Noah Syndergaard this year. I mean, I, I don't know if you heard his comments within the last week where he finally spoke to reporters from New York, which he declined to do earlier this year when he was in Anaheim. But he actually said to the reporters that part of the reason why he left New York was because he knew that coming back this year, he was going to have velocity issues and he just didn't want to deal with all the noise. And, you know, I guess he doesn't want to deal with all the noise of facing his former team too. Uh, and the possibility that he could get knocked around, I guess. I, I, I don't know. This is such a, a strange turn for Noah as he, you know, has apparently fallen a long way from the guy that grabbed the bull by the horns in 2015 and won game three of the World Series and then pitched his heart out against Madison Bumgarner at City Field the next year in the playoff game, right? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't feel like the same guy. I mean, uh... This guy, I felt like, I feel like all this time he didn't really want to be. It felt like, I mean, I I remember seeing when he he made an appearance, the 2013 the All Star Fan Fest because he was pitching in a futures game. He looked like he didn't even know how to handle New York sports talk. Like he said, and how many people are going to hear this, right? Oh yeah, wasn't that with Joe and Evan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's during a few game. wasn't even in the big leagues yet. He was still in the minors, and he said this. Like, right, you're right. I, I remember that. This guy, maybe we dodged a bullet here with this guy. 
maybe. I mean, it's going to be real interesting to see what he does this offseason too because I, I doubt he's going to go back to Philadelphia. But, I mean, you, you never know. But the thing about Noah too is that, you, you know, we've seen this with Wheeler. I mean, he's right now in the 2017-2018 stage of Zach Wheeler when he was just coming back from that Tommy John and slowly working his way back. And his, uh, you know, his velocity wasn't necessarily there yet. So his, his results were a little up and down and he, as he was learning to pitch with a little bit less velocity. Uh, but obviously for Wheeler, that velocity came back. And now he's in his last season with the Mets, he was great. And since he's been to Philadelphia, he's been even better. Um, but yeah, man, I just, uh, I, I, I don't understand, um, you know, I, what has become of Noah Syndergaard, you know, I thought he was going to be one of these all time Mets that spent his whole career here. Yeah. That, that, that one really shocked me, especially the fact he didn't even, he didn't even want, he didn't even wait for another offer during that off season. If you remember correctly. Yeah. He jumped on that first, whatever it was, 21, $22 million offer from, uh, from the angels. And I'm sure that, um, you know, Steve Cohen would have paid him that type of money if he wanted it. I mean, everybody knows the type of talent that Noah is. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that he used the Mets transition between GM and manager and everything this year as an excuse and decided to bail out because as he finally admitted just a week or two ago, he was scared about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the way he worded it is that the, you know, the emotion and, and the energy that comes from New York that can help you a lot can sometimes bite you in the butt. And what he means by bite you in the butt is that you're going to hear it from people if you're not delivering or, or people are going to make a bigger deal than it should be out of a couple of miles an hour not being on his fastball where, where he used to throw a hundred. Now it's down to 94, 95. And look, he would have heard that this year, especially in spring training and stuff like that. And people freaking out and hoping that he's healthy and everything. He, he would have heard that. And I know it would have been a little bit unnerving for him, but man, I just can't believe that a guy that seemed like he had such thick skin and was just such a, uh, you know, just a an impenetrable guy that you know and obviously he he played up that thor uh personality too and everything but i i just can't believe that uh that he would react like this to some criticism early on coming back from his injury that he probably is right that he would have faced yeah exactly he just i just feel like he didn't uh... It was, it's a big letdown with him. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, uh, very, very disappointing stuff from Noah Syndergaard, um, you know, but uh, you know, with that, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to Mets right now as we always do. Uh, but let's, uh, let's flip over to the Yankees, man. And uh, boy, have they been a disaster since um, the all-star break? I mean, the Yankees were by far running away with the best record in baseball um for months and months most of the season they were the cream of the crop best team no doubt about it um seemed like a surefire world series pick for this year well that's all gone to crap since the all-star break is the yankees are 
eight and 17 since the all-star break. I mean, think about that. The Mets coming out of the break went 17 and three, uh, you know, the, those first 20 games and the Yankees are eight and 17. It is crazy what has happened to this team. I mean, obviously Aaron judge has continued to put up big numbers, but it looks like really ever since Giancarlo Stanton went down or right around that time, the Yankees have just been in a uh, whirlwind. Yeah, it looks like that. And it also looks like maybe the, I feel like the second half teams made moves at the trading deadline. They're, uh, they're amping up their game because they're, they know they're facing a, a tough team. They've kind of know they're kind of amped up to who they know they're going to have to face. Yeah, and no about it. That the competition's just I think is rising up tougher against the Yankees now in the second half. You're right. And uh, you know, Garrett Cole has had his his good games, and he's also had his not so good games <laughs> where he's gotten lit up a couple of times. And um, you know, the, the Yankees need more consistent production out of him, but really it's been the lineup. The Yankees lineup has been surprisingly uh very quiet. And, I mean, they, they made a couple of uh, moves today that they're hoping will inject a little um, youth and enthusiasm in this lineup as uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, the Yankees' fourth rank, uh, 14th-ranked prospect, and the uh, ever-talked-about Esteban Floreal have both been recalled to the major leagues. Um, what do you think about that, Dan? I mean, it's kind of what the Mets are doing with, with Beatty, although the Mets were forced into it. Uh, because of their injuries. But uh, what do you think about the Yankees reaching in their, their minor league system and trying to inject a little uh, life into their lineup? I think they may have made the right move. It's probably a move they had to do. They're forcing their hand. They probably probably need it at this point of the season. That's really all you could really do is if you see you've got this uh, pros- these prospects in their farm system, they might as well have take a chance and roll in the dice if they're going to go for it. Yeah, it's true. You, you, you really have to um, at this point in the year, you know, cause the Yankees right now just look like they don't care. And I know they do. <laughs> they obviously do. They're a professional team. Um, but Aaron Boone, um, you know, he shows his emotion at times, like we've seen with the whole, you know, uh, you know, the savages in the box comments that he got famous for a couple of years ago and a couple of blowups he's had with umpires and uh, certain moments with the press. But um, for the most part, he's a pretty even keeled guy that doesn't really show much emotion. Um, and I know Buck is like that too for the Mets where, especially on the field, he doesn't show much. Even when he's mad on the field, Buck kind of keeps it very composed, but I, I think Buck just has a different handle of the situation. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been there, done that. And, and not to say this is Boone's first runaround, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, Buck has about 25 years on him in this game. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that Boone needs to show some more emotion out there? Or is he just, uh, or should, should he not go against what he's been these last few years? Maybe he probably needs to show a little more emotion at at this time. All right, I mean he need he needs to finally rise up a little bit, especially that I mean you're managing in a very high leverage situation here, 
it's it's you got to got to be able to rise up and handle it well and suck it up or you'll be another another list of managers he, another name that George the ghost of George Steinbrenner is mentioning of name managers that have been fired yeah right alongside Billy Martin there <laughs> and all the other names you know so it's uh it, yeah i i, I think you're right man cuz Right now for the Yankees, look, has Aaron Boone done a great job with the Yankees? Absolutely. You cannot make the case that Aaron Boone has not done a good job for the Yankees. He's won 100 games for them multiple times. He's gotten into the ALCS multiple times. Um, you know, they've made the playoffs every year. So Aaron uh, Boone has done a good job as Yankee manager. But the fact of the matter is, this isn't just, a, you know, this isn't the St. Louis Cardinals. This isn't, um, you know, the Cubs or you know, some team that is going to accept less than a championship because the Yankees don't do that. The Yankees don't accept less than championships, especially with the way they started off this year. I mean, the, the, the Yankees were, I believe, 57 and 21 at one point. That is just absurd to start a major league season that way. Uh, you know, I mean, the Detroit Tigers started off in 84, 35 and five and, uh, that's crazy, but the Yankees are doing this in double the games, 57 and 21. I mean, boy, it's just crazy how far they've, they've fallen since then. And it's also crazy that they, have, uh, they haven't really opened the door to the Blue Jays overtaking them in the AL East because the Yankees probably have that still well in hand. But, um, I mean, it, it looks to me like they're going to finish second to the Astros, right? Yeah, it looks like that. and. I just want to say this to the Yankee fans. I mean, I've seen I, – I, as a Mets fan, we've experienced this a lot of times with big leads in the division, all right? It's and, like <laughs> – Yeah. Don't keep your foot off that gas pedal until it's been wrapped up. You're right, man, because, look, how long ago were we looking at the AL East and saying, oh, the Yankees have a 16-game lead? The Yankees have a 15-game lead over whoever was second at the time, whether it was the Blue Jays or the Red Sox or whoever. Well, now when you look at that AL East, uh, the Yankees only lead, and you could say only because, you know, look, it's, it's still a big lead. But the Yankees lead Tampa Bay right now by nine games. The Yankees are 72 and 45, and Tampa Bay is 62 and 53. Nine games out. Toronto is a half game behind them, too at 62 and 54, nine and a half behind the Yankees. Um, so look, it's still, it's, it's the middle of August. It's August 17th. Uh, as we're recording this, it'll be August 18th by the time everybody's watching this tomorrow. So we're past the halfway point in, in, in August, but there's still a lot more time to go. And just like you said, look, the Mets blew a seven and a half game lead with 17 games left you can do it. It's possible. All the, all that has to happen is that you have to hit a rough stretch and the team behind you has to get hot. That's why the Mets right now at three and a half game lead against the Braves means nothing. Uh, I mean, you, you have to close those other teams out and um, the Yankees are doing everything they can to keep these other two teams thinking they have a chance. Yeah, exactly. That they, they, they can't let this, let this, uh, can't keep your foot off the gas, and they you, you can't go into long losing streaks like that. 
Exactly. Total. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you know what? Uh, with that, let's uh, let's close up on the Yankees real quick. As um, you know, the Yankees do have um, you know a couple of uh, big series coming up. Um, they're they're playing the Blue Jays. Um, you know that it's and that's going to be major for the Yankees, especially the fact that it's at home that they're they're starting this homestand now. The Yankees have to have to figure this thing out and get themselves back on track. Otherwise, if the Blue Jays have a good week against them, <laughs> it's it's really going to be uh, biting your fingernails times in the Bronx. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as we uh, finish up there with the Yankees real quick, let's move on to some preseason football, Dan. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll start off with your uh, New York football Giants. As uh, the Giants played last week against the, uh, the Patriots, they beat them 23-21. Hey, uh, preseason win feels pretty good when you haven't been producing in the in the regular season for the last few years i could say the same thing as even though it was an injury riddled one for the jets i, I was pretty pleased with the fact that they won even if it was garbage time um how are you feeling about your red giants so far i feel like we we look good so far at the same time it's like only one game and I can. I've even all the footage I've seen during the preseason practice. It it looks like Daniel Jones is getting a little, trying to get a little of rust off, but hopefully it's what preseason's for, and hopefully he's got enough time to get that rust off, and he'll be ready to go during a during the season. Because I feel this game, these next couple of games are more getting that little rust off because he didn't really play much last year. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean. It's going to be all about getting that rust off. It's going to be all about, um, you know, getting together with that offensive line and getting the chemistry and uh, and hopefully mixing Saquon Barkley back in the mix. Um, so uh, what else, Dan? What, what else did you have in your mind with the Giants? Other than that, I think we, we've looked good so far from that one little sample. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what do you think about uh, how – you know, your uh, new coach and GM, uh, you know, and, and everything is uh, is working out so far. Do you think that uh, you like what you see with the, you know, the way these guys are working together in this relationship so far? So far, so good. We're really going to know more once we've gotten into the regular season. Mm -hmm. I already like the credibility we have in this coach so far. Mm -hmm. and Finally, you've gotten a, a GM that has that credibility as well. What do you think about uh, uh, Dayball's nickname that they're calling him now, Daves? Are you going to call him Daves, or is he just going to be uh, Coach Dayball to you? <laughs> well, if, if hey, if we if we get to the playoffs, I'll start calling him Daves. <laughs> oh, so he has to earn that nickname. Exactly, because that's just like what's going on over in Jets camp where. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, a lot of the veterans like CJ Mosley said that they won't call, uh, you know, Ahmed or AKA sauce Gardner, the, the rookie cornerback, they, they're not going to call him sauce until he makes a play in the regular season. So, okay. I, I, I totally get that. And you have to earn that nickname. <clears throat> well now next week too, I mean, uh, the, the 21st. So you guys are playing, um, against on uh on on this coming up sunday so 
it's actually going to be a football Sunday for you this year, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this week against the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Um, what are you thinking about that, Dan? Uh, do, you, do you think we're going to see more of uh, Daniel Jones this week, or, you, or, or do you think that they're still going to pull the reins in and keep this a real slow and steady preseason? I think you'll probably see a little bit more of him during the first half of the game, not much during the second half. I feel that one, and I feel the third game, you don't really see much of the starters the third game. Yeah, that's how it's – that, that's how it's been in recent years. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what that's going to be like this year, though, because the third game for both of us is going to be the Jets and the Giants on uh, Sunday, August 28th. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. But, I mean, if you remember, our teams don't open until two weeks after that uh, on um, Sunday, August, uh, on Sunday, September 11th. So both the Jets and the Giants open up on that day. So, I'm really interested to see how both of our teams work it in because there really hasn't been much action. And now instead of three preseason games, you only get, uh, you know, instead of four, you only get three. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how these, these guys run it out because it, you know, it used to be what they call when, when it was a four game preseason, the third preseason game, is where your starters and everything would see the most action. They'd call that one like the dress rehearsal. And, you know, the fourth preseason game would just be a bunch of backups for the most part. Uh, But now with only three and having two weeks in between that final preseason game and the season opener, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they work these guys. Yeah, I did. I really feel like that's what's going to happen now. Like you're going to see that, Guys, more were played out the whole half, first half of the of the second preseason game, and you're probably not going to see much the third preseason game. I've I've even I've often feel weird. Uh, I personally don't really like bought bought paying for tickets to preseason games. Yeah, preseason games are a joke. <laughs> exactly. You know that's why when you buy like season tickets, they they pretty much force you to take those preseason games too, whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. <laughs> really, it's why they're literally practically handed to you. I remember a couple of years ago I went because they literally, they were just giving them away. Yeah, because nobody wants to go. They can't even get people in the stadium for it. You know, you, you get the real football fanatics that, you know, just really want to go in and just see the, they're pretty much paying to see the uniform. Because you know that the guys you're watching for 95% of that game aren't the guys that are going to be there a month from now when the games matter. <laughs> I remember in 2008, not seeing seen Eli that much. It was a preseason game between the Giants and the Jets. I was, uh, the, I think the day camp my sister went to, they, they gave her tickets to this game. And we went. I didn't see much. Yeah, there's always something interesting going on. I remember... Uh, in preseason 2003, Chad Pennington getting hurt against um, uh, the Giants in the preseason game that cost him most of the 2003 season. And then also when Rex Ryan wanted to pretend and act like uh, the, the MetLife Bowl actually mattered about 10 years ago <laughs> when he, he kept Mark Sanchez in way longer than he should have because he wanted to try and win that game. 
and Mark Sanchez got hurt. And then that was pretty much the end of uh, the whole Sanchez experiment with the Jets. So uh, the, the Jets and the Giants game can jump up and bite you in the ass every once in a while. And um, exactly. you know, so as we, we were just talking the, the, you know, about the, uh, the Giants and everything going on over there, uh, let's uh, get back to, uh, to the Jets right now. As you know, like I mentioned, man, they, uh, they have been dealing with some uh, big time injuries. Uh, Makai Becton, the former first round pick went down and, um, you know, it, it doesn't look good. I mean, his career could be in jeopardy right now. His time with the Jets is probably definitely over because I, I don't see them picking up his, uh, his option after this year, to be quite honest. Um, you know, and, uh, and Zach Wilson, the Jets might have avoided serious injury with him, though, because it looked like uh, when news was first breaking that it was going to be a season-ending injury, much like Makai Becton. But uh, it definitely, you know, even though you're not a, a Jet fan, Dan, it definitely made everybody take a little bit a uh, sigh of relief to know that, you know, this kid didn't have his season ending uh, that quickly. Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't, you want to see that. I mean, I, I didn't get to hear Joe Beningo's reaction to that, but just, <laughs> uh, thinking of Joe Beningo's reaction and I'm thinking of that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know if you remember that episode when the Larry David, when he was trying to make moves on a friend, his friend's wife. Remember, his friend got so upset that uh, the way the Jets were doing that, he uh, that he offed himself and yes, and then remember the whole thing how it, how that woman kept saying how how like all those years ruined the, that relationship. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, freaking hilarious in, in that episode, and boy, the Jets heard a lot of shit after that. <laughs> but um. Yeah. Oh, uh, was a was a fan. All the little things he referenced. Yep, yep. And, and, and you know, you mentioned Beningo's response, and it's funny. I uh, listen to his podcast often because I love Joe Beningo. Um, he does a podcast in case you're interested called the Oh the Pain Podcast, and uh, so you can check that out on you know anywhere on Apple Podcasts and everything uh, because Joe's the best, and he's a. Uh, a long-suffering Jet fan, man. <laughs> he wears that suffering on his sleeve. And, you know, to be honest, his reaction to Zach Wilson's injury was a lot like mine, where, look, I hope the best for Zach Wilson, and I do not want to see the kid get injured. Uh, I, I feel terrible for the kid that he has to have this surgery, and he's probably going to miss four to six weeks. Uh, you know, they, they keep saying two to four, but I don't even understand why you push him. I, I would say just bring the kid back October 1st, let him miss, you know, uh, September and take his time getting back. But, you know, who, who knows what they're going to do? Uh, apparently the surgery was, uh, was a success. So that's great. More power to him. Uh, but what I feel about this though, is that I have been saying for, for months that look, you, you can't expect miracles out of the jets, but I want to see growth this year. You know, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, Oh, six and 11 is fine for the jets this year. Um, no, I, I want to see these games matter late in the year, especially with the influx of talent that the jets have. Uh, I, I want to see more competitive football this year. Um, Hey, am I, am, am I dreaming? Maybe, but that that's what I want to see. 
And, um, you know, what do you think, Dan? Do you think the Jets are capable of uh, giving me any competitive football this year? I think they 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 could be they could be capable of it. It's going to be right now. It's probably going to be a huge question mark being the first couple of weeks because always a big it's always a big question, especially with the fact once Zach Wilson comes back from that injury, that's going to be a big tit tale of how the season could be going because you know it isn't just the injury; it's coming back from the injury. That's a part of the recovery from that injury. Yeah, it's true too. You know, it's it's not just like a video game where the guy comes back and you plug him back in the lineup and he's exactly the same like he was before he left. No, I agree. He's gonna have to he's gonna sh- have to shake some rust off. He's gonna have to uh, really apply himself. And this is gonna be a tough year for Zach Wilson. And it's gonna be interesting to see what the results we get on the field are whenever he finally does. But you know, right now the the two quarterbacks that the Jets have as options are Joe Flacco, who's probably going to get the nod, and Mike White, who, you know, had that great little flash in the pan last year where he threw for over 400 yards against the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals at uh, MetLife last year. So uh, I'll, I'll always like Mike White for that, and I'll always wish that he would get a chance, but it looks like they're going to stick with Flacco. Flacco's been getting a lot of the first-team reps, and uh, it'll be a nice little story to have Joe Flacco open the year for the Jets against the Baltimore Ravens, right, Dan? It, yeah, and actually, spe- speaking speaking of the Jets, I know probably one of the biggest Jet fans that calls into WFAN all the time. I know his son. You might you might have listened to WFAN, may have heard Steve Summers take calls from a guy named Ira from Staten Island. Oh yeah, that that's another big Joe Beningo caller. His son Robert. So we got. I got to give a big shout out to 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 to, to, to Robert. Very and cool. very cool. Gone. I've gone to a couple. I go to a couple of Met games with him, and I'm going to a game, going to a game with him. So I got. I got. I got to give. I got to be. Got to give a big shout out to 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 him. And who knew such a small world? When I was mentioning Steve Summers, when uh during during around the time he was retiring, he brought. up he told made me aware that his father is happens to be Ira from Staten Island. <laughs> that is very cool. And yeah, Ira is one of my favorite Jet fan callers on there, especially with Joe Beningo and and the great Steve Summers, who I sorely miss. You know, Beningo is uh is is great, but Steve Summers just the uh you know the schmooze. Love that guy, miss him. Uh but yeah, very cool that you know Ira's son. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I'm also bummed out. Never got to meet Steve Summers himself, but yeah, me too. On maybe somewhere, arrange it for that. <laughs> all right, and you know what? I think that that's uh, that's uh, we've pretty much said all we can say this week. Right now, Dan is where we're about running down at a time now, and uh, you know, I want to thank everybody for uh, for, for tuning in. Uh, to another episode of Best Seat in the House with uh, with me and Dan here. Uh, don't forget to um, check out B-Side Comedy Club right now. If you haven't done it yet, check out B-Side Comedy Club so you can see our very own Daniel Bobo Curlin uh, with, uh, you know, open up for the great Mark Norman. Uh, Joe Matarese, uh has this comedy club, B-Side Comedy Club in Scarsdale, New York. Do yourself a favor, get tickets now and check out our, our co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin, and you got to be pumped for that show, right, Dan? 
I'm uh, I'm just typing up a bunch of stuff. I'm nervous about this in a in a in a day or two. I'm sent. I got it. I'm sending Joe some footage of me trying to perform some of this material. So I'm really nervous at how it goes, especially the fact that I'm the uh, I'm doing some of the stuff that I haven't quite felt like Kevin really put together that set in stone what um I'm doing on stage. So I hope I hope it does well and. Um, I, I, I have a, I have a feeling it, I have a feeling it'll, it'll, it'll go well, and on as many people as possible watching this show, to to come out and be be in the audience and show your support. Exactly, he, support Bobo. He deserves it. He's gonna bust his ass over the next couple of weeks and and get this act down. You you know it. This kid has a drive like nobody else. I've seen you do a lot of stuff, Dan. So I know that, that you're going to take this challenge on and do a great job with it, man. So uh, just uh, keep pushing. And uh, don't forget to support our boy here, bsidecomedyclub.com. So uh, do yourself a favor and check that out. Uh, you know, so I think that's about it for this week on Best Seat in the House. Get to follow me on Bobo. 10BNYC on Twitter and Bobo718DK on Instagram and the Daniel Curlin on YouTube. Don't forget to, to follow him there and, and follow me at KramerNY and, uh, and also our show at BSith underscore podcast on Twitter. So what were you saying, Dan? Get to, I think I'm going to be appearing in an upcoming Chip Chipperson podcast episode. Oh yeah, don't forget to check that out because I, I saw it on Patreon. And it's freaking hilarious. Uh, just a, a great show. So uh, don't forget to check uh, Dan out on um, the Chip Chipperson show. It'll be out on YouTube, I believe, uh, sometime this weekend, probably. Right, Dan? Yeah. Some can't wait to see. Can't wait to see how this whole episode turned out. I'm gonna be <laughs> gonna be watching it, and can't, can't wait to see. And I and I'm, I would love to see course when i responded to science some stuff that chip was saying of course it's on youtube so i don't really want to say it, but i was saying the mate the made up line of detergent i said that i had i would love to see some fans make photoshops advertisements for that <laughs> definitely make up uh some photoshops for uh bobo here his uh his brand of detergent that he was pitching on this chip show this week so uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, really great time checking you out there. So make sure to uh, do yourself a favor. And you know whether you're going to subscribe to his Patreon or check it out on YouTube, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth your time. <laughs> so once again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in here to Best Seat in the House. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Who took all the beer in here? Who did it? You, you alcoholic. All right, I'll have one with you. Stress. 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 Stress.